Welcome back to A Fan, A Can, and No Real Plan. I'm your host, The Fan. Here's how the show works in case you're new. I'm a huge college sports fan. That's where the fan component of this show comes in. The can component is uh, I'm going to enjoy a beer while we talk about college sports this evening. And the no real plan part is I've got a couple topics I want to talk about tonight, but it's totally unscripted otherwise. Um, I have some statistics pulled up, things like that, but otherwise there's no script. I'm not reading off anything here. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since I was able to record one of these. I've been extremely busy. Uh, I'm a huge college sports fan because I am a college student currently. So I've had a lot of stuff going on with classwork, homework, been going to a lot of my university sporting events that has eaten up a lot of my time. I've had some other events on campus that I've been going to, and it's just been kind of crazy with work, and things have just picked up, so I just haven't really had a chance to sit down and record one of these, but I finally got some time tonight. It's Monday night. Uh, I've got the Monday night football game on, even though I know that's professional sports. I've got that muted in the background. I'm kind of halfway keeping an eye on that. Uh, if you're curious, the Bears are leading the Redskins 28-9 to right now. The fourth quarter just started. I don't really know if either of those teams are any good, but I don't really pay much attention to <laughs> professional football. I much prefer college. So let's, uh, let's get the can component implemented. Uh, that's usually what we do to start the show. And then the topics we're going to talk about tonight are uh, I want to talk about the targeting rule in college football uh, because – over the last few weeks, there have been quite a few targeting penalties I've seen on TV and stuff, and and I have my I have my opinions about the targeting uh, rule. So I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about how I feel about that. I also want to talk a little bit about college soccer, both men and women's, and then finally, uh, although I have no idea if I'm actually going to go in this order, I think I might talk about the soccer first. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about. How, as a fan, if you are displeased with your university's athletics programs, whether it's a specific team or the athletics as a whole, kind of my opinions on how you should be voicing your displeasure and some things that you should consider before you just stop showing up. There's been a lot of talk, especially surrounding college football right now, that certain coaches need to go and, and the only way to show the university that is to stop showing up. And so I want to talk a little bit about kind of my thoughts on that. So let's get our beverage component implemented. Um, now the show is called a fan, a can and no real plan, but tonight we're going to drink out of a bottle. And I actually tested this uh, last week. It does not pick up on the microphone when I take the bottle cap off. So, unfortunately, we're not going to get that nice uh, can cracking sound that, that I've had on the previous episode. So, I've actually already just got this one open, and I haven't tried it quite yet. So, uh, my buddy Corey brought this for me the other weekend when he came to watch some football games. So, I'm going to try this out. Uh, this is from Elysian Brewing Company. It's called Space Dust. It's an IPA. So uh, it says brewed and bottled by Elysian Brewing Company, Seattle, Washington, and Fort Collins, Colorado. So this might be the first beer other than the ro cheapo Rolling Rock I had on the first episode that's from outside California. So that's good. Um, I could read the government warnings if you want, but I think we all already know that. I think I already made that joke on a previous one too. So that's kind of lame. I did that again. So on this bottle, the, the label's kind of neat. It's got a it's got a hop that's like, I don't know if he's vomiting 
the space dust into space or what's going on, but he's got it like coming out of his mouth and it's kind of sparkly and stuff. I don't know. It's a pretty cool bottle label, I think. So it says Space Dust IPA. The hopping is pure star glow energy with Chinook to bitter and late and dry additions of Citra and Amarillo. That was kind of hard to read. Um, so this is, holy mackerel, this is 8.2% by volume alcohol. So this is uh, going to set the record for the strongest beer I've had on the show so far. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and I've, I've opened it, but I haven't tried it yet. So let's, let's give this one a go. Um, it's, I like it. It's pretty good. Despite the higher alcohol content, it doesn't really have that alcohol taste. Um, I'm not a fan of like hard liquor because I don't, it tastes like Windex to me. So that's why I kind of drink beer and and that's about it. Uh, but yeah, the alcohol volume is not like overwhelming by any means. 8% is still pretty tame. Um, it, I, it kind of tastes like a normal-ish IPA to me. I don't, again, like I've said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not like a beer snob by any means, so I'm not going to know what these bitter and late and dry additions of whatever taste like. It's pretty good. It's It doesn't taste too bitter. It's not, like I've noted about IPAs before, it didn't destroy my esophagus. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, so I'll grab one more sip before we jump into it here. All right, now that we've got the uh, drink out of the way, let's talk Let's talk college soccer first. I, I want to jump right into soccer. I haven't given soccer any love yet on this show since we started doing it this year. So I want to talk a little bit about both men and women's college soccer. Um, I haven't had the chance to watch too many games outside of my own university's games. I don't want to just talk about my university. That's not what this show's about, uh, even though I would love it to be. That's That's not what it is right now. So... Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, let's start ladies first. Let's let's start with women's college soccer. So, I pulled up some statistics because I wanted to see kind of where everybody was at. I actually did watch uh, North Carolina played on television the other day, and I did turn that game on. I watched the first half. I was very impressed. They are very very solid team, um, and they are actually currently fourth in the rankings. It looks like they were number one. Uh, but they did lose a game, it looks like. So they have dropped down to number four. Virginia has actually just taken over the top spot uh, from USC and North Carolina. Uh, it looks like Stanford was number two and now has dropped down to number three. And these are the uh, these rankings are from the United Soccer Coaches. This is the main ranking that the NCAA uses uh, up until they do their women's soccer RPI, but that's towards the end of the year when they're doing the tournament. Uh, and they haven't, they're nowhere close to that quite yet. So what I want to talk a little bit about is Virginia taking over the top spot, and this is largely behind Diana Ordonez. So she's a player for Virginia. She's got nine goals on the season, which is incredibly impressive considering that they've only played eight games. So she's averaging more than one goal per game right now. Um, I don't know. I've never met this girl. I don't know anything about her. Unfortunately, I have not been able to watch her play. I would like to look up some highlight videos at some point. But she's tied for second on the most goals scored 
this season, there's several other players here that have also scored nine goals, which is equally impressive. And notably, most of these teams are ranked quite highly, so that's no surprise there. But theoretically, she's only trailing Autumn Woodward from Louisiana Tech, who has 10 goals in the season. But Virginia's got Alexa Spanstra. I believe that's probably how you say it. Uh, it's got two A's in there, so it's a one that I'm not 100% confident on the pronunciation. Um, she's For Virginia, she's got seven assists already this season. So in eight games, obviously those two create a dynamic duo that they're really pushing Virginia forward, and it shows Virginia is one of the few undefeated teams at the top of the rankings right now. USC also has a 7-0 and record. Virginia is 8-0. They've played one more game. Southern California is 7-0. and Most of the other teams at the top have one loss or maybe one draw. If you're not familiar with college soccer, they do have ties um, during the regular season. So it's it's entirely possible to have a draw on your record. So, for example, um, Duke, number eight in the country, they're 5-1-1. Five, one one. five wins, one loss, one tie. So other than Virginia and USC, BYU is really the only uh, – other undefeated team in the top 10. Uh, they're ranked number seven. They're six and oh, so they haven't played quite as many games. They've slowly been moving up the rankings. I've noticed. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, my, my university, unfortunately is, uh, nowhere close to being ranked, but that's okay. I've been going to some games. I've been having a great time with it. We don't have a men's team at the school that I go to. Uh, we only have a women's team, but I try to make it out to most of their games. If you've never been into to a college soccer game, you should go check it out. It's, I think it's a lot of fun. The crowds are usually uh, very family-friendly, so if you have young kids and you want to take them to a very inexpensive sporting event uh, and you happen to be local to a college, whether it's a, a Division One college or Division Two or three or even a community college, it doesn't really matter. It's a great way to take your kids out for a couple hours of entertainment, and it's, it's very family-friendly. You're not going to get the drunk fans that you might get at a football game. You're not going to get the people yelling and screaming right behind you like you might get in a basketball game, for example. So it's 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 a nice, um, wholesome maybe not the right word, but I can't really think of a better one. It's a nice environment uh, to go and kind of relax, cheer on your cheer on a team, whether it's your alma mater or, or your your university, take the kids out and just go have a good time. Especially the weather's starting to get nice, it's fall time, starting to cool down. Great, great chance to go out on like a Sunday afternoon and and just enjoy a, a soccer game. So Virginia is also leading uh, for women's soccer. They're leading in scoring offense. The, they're averaging 4.38 goals per game, which is outrageous. Um, they're just blowing people out of the water. Interestingly, though, they're not on, they don't have a very low goals against average. So I'm not sure. That indicates to me that their defense may not be quite as strong as their offense. could also be that they're running up to score pretty high and then the coach is substituting some players in and the other teams are getting some scores as well. Uh, the ACC is a tough conference. Clemson's up there as well. Uh, they're, they're a very good school in the ACC as well. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised to see that sort of, um, I guess, Differential to only see them on one chart and not on the other. But uh, Virginia obviously looks very strong. Uh, I'll be looking forward. I'm going to have to – I'm going to try to look up one of their games online. I'd like to see how they play now. Uh, this has definitely gotten me a little bit more interested. 
in Virginia soccer, so I, I'm going to have to look him up. So if you, by some weird miracle, happen to be a Virginia fan or or a player on the Virginia women's soccer team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look you guys up. I want to see how you're doing. So let's move over to men's college soccer. Similarly, in men's college soccer, Clemson is uh, doing quite well out of the ACC, although surprisingly only ranked number seven in the country, right behind St. Mary's, uh, number six. Wake Forest is still the first-place team. They've been up there for quite a while, followed by Stanford. But interestingly, looking at the statistics, Clemson has two players, Robbie Robinson and Kamarni Smith, both have seven goals this year, which is tied for first amongst a few other players here. Excuse me, a few other players here on the list. So that's outstanding. They also have two players with high, that are ranking in the top for for assist counts. They've got Tanner Dietrich from Clemson. I hope I hope I said that right. Uh, he's got five assists on the year, and Philip Mayaka. Yes, Mayaka. Couldn't see it there was something in my way sorry he's got six assists on the year for Clemson so Clemson clearly has a very high powered offense which is also backed up by the fact that they are absolutely dominating in the scoring offense statistic they're averaging 4.67 goals per game the only team the second place team isn't even closed SMU out of Texas the Mustangs they're only averaging three and a half points per game Clemson is averaging a whole point more more than a whole point more than the next team behind them in scoring offense. So their offense is just absolutely dominant, clearly. I haven't had a chance to watch a Clemson men's soccer game, but again, just like the Virginia women's soccer, I'm going to have to check these guys out. They look like a scoring machine, and that's got me pretty excited. I, soccer is just a ton of anticipation and just an explosion of excitement when when a goal is scored. I really like to watch international soccer, for example, uh, like World Cup, Euro Cup, things like that. So... Uh, I, that's what I like about soccer. So I'm going to have to check Clemson out because it seems like they have a ridiculously good offense. Interestingly, Stanford is uh, in second for goals against average. So they're averaging uh, 0.2 for goals against, uh, which is outstanding. And when we skip back over to the rankings here, that's obviously a huge component of why they are 5-0 and and ranked second in the country. Their defense is likely very dominant. So, man, I tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Clemson play Stanford, which at some point they may when it comes to the men's soccer tournament. But that sounds like an ideal matchup to me because Clemson's high-powered offense against Stanford's incredibly stout defense, boy, that that sounds like an an excellent matchup to me. Um, Another another interesting thing on here is uh, a school that you probably don't hear much about, in many of the the big name sports like basketball or football or even baseball, California State University Northridge. I know, you're thinking, what? That's that's a university. I mean, if you're from outside California, you're thinking that's a university. Yes, it is. Uh, they recently joined the rankings. This, according to the United Soccer Coaches poll for the men, they're ranked twenty three and twenty third in the nation, four one and one, and They've got some outstanding players. Daniel Trejo has seven goals on this season in six games. So he's averaging more than one goal per game, which is absolutely outstanding. They've also got Julio Julio Rubio with seven assists. So, again, another high-powered offense that's leading CSUN uh, up their rankings because they were not ranked 
previously, and now they are ranked 23rd in the nation. And I hope they'll continue their march up the ladder. I think that'd be really good for the uh, Matadors. They're tied for third with uh, FIU with 3.33 average goals per game. So, you know, if they if they can get their defense component going, they may not lose another game. Uh, I don't really know anything about their defense, but at 4-1-1, one one, they've lost a game, they've tied a game. If they can, you know, maybe clean up a few things on the defensive end, they clearly have the scoring potential to outscore opponents. So they also have Johnny Rodriguez, who's tied with several other players. He's got six goals on the season. So their their offense looks to be almost as high-powered as Clemson. So that's very impressive from California State University Northridge. So that's pretty much all I want to talk about for soccer. Again, I wouldn't call myself a college soccer expert. I do like to go to my university's games. I do like to try to pay attention to it when it happens to be on television every once in a while. Uh, but after looking up some of these stats and talking about it, I think I need to go and check out a couple of these teams. I'm, I'm sure I can probably find replays of their games on, on the internet somewhere, and I'm going to have to try to catch up on these when I'm not busy doing other things or watching other college sports. So let's uh, hit the drink here real quick, and then we'll move on to our next topic. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is... Uh, let's talk about targeting next. If you're not familiar with what targeting is, it is a penalty in college football. Uh, I believe it's also in professional football too. And it refers to hitting another player either with your helmet or hitting the other player in the head or neck area. This is a relatively recent rule that has been introduced after the CTE studies came out that showed that repeated blows to the head and you know playing with a concussion can lead to further damage, uh, which could negatively impact brain function later in life and create this uh, CTE brain disease. So let me get this out of the way before I say anything else. I do not believe that... Football needs to be some sort of gladiator sport where if you play that a brain disease is is an acceptable consequence that might come out of it. Okay? I'm not... That's that's not what I'm trying to say with anything that I may say from this point forward. I think it's very important to get that out of the way so that my words are not misinterpreted. When I played football in high school... First of all, I was not very good. I was not very big. I was decently quick, but that only goes so far. Anyway, when I played football in high school, the targeting thing was not was not a was not known. We used to smash each other in the head every day at practice. We used to hit each other in the head during games. I had several concussions when I played football in high school from practice, and it's not fun. Um, but it's, it was a part of the game. I don't know that there's any way to take head-to-head contact out of the sport, and I've heard many people try to argue, oh, let's just give them the leather helmets like they had back in the day, and then they won't try to hit each other on the head anymore. Yeah, BS. If you put leather helmets back on these guys, or no helmets at all, and try to turn it into rugby, for example, people are going to just straight up get killed because... You're not going to be able to change what football has become in this day and age just by changing the helmet. You're not going to be able to change the way that players approach the game for probably 
a generation or two. So in my opinion, that is not the right solution. I don't know what the solution is. I don't really think that there is one. I think the awareness is a good start. I think that it's important to you know, recognize that this is an issue. The helmet designs are starting to come a long way. I mean, but there's only so safe that you can make it. And, you know, I'm okay with that. I don't think that everything in life has to be 100% safe. Um, I choose to participate in motorsport, and that's incredibly dangerous. Uh, so I'm not... I'm not of the idea that everything needs to be safe, or if you happen to be a Seinfeld fan, I don't believe that, that you need to treat your child like they're bubble boy. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I don't I don't think we should be ruining uh, young people's lives by turning their brains into mush for entertainment. So I'm glad that there are some rules out there that are trying to protect players. However, here comes the butt part of this segment. I hate the way the targeting rule is enforced. Because of the way football is, you're going to have contact with another player's head, whether it's intentional or not, at some point during the game. It's pretty much impossible when a guy is going down or getting tripped up, you're coming in to make a hit, and all of a sudden you hit him in the head. And you get called for targeting and you get tossed out of the game. I think it's absolutely BS. I don't like that. What I would like to see targeting become, and but and I should have done this at the beginning, but let me define exactly what targeting is for those people listening that may not be familiar. Targeting is basically defined as hitting another player with the crown of your helmet or hitting a defenseless player in the head or neck area. Now, what do I mean by defenseless player? That means a receiver that has not quite yet caught the ball and gotten possession of it or if you're blocking someone, for example, on a punt or on a kickoff that's not looking, they're calling it a blindside block now, that's considered targeting. You're not allowed to do that either. Um, but essentially it's designed to protect not only the player uh, initiating the hit, but also the player receiving the hit. So I football just things happen so fast in real time that I think – a lot of targeting penalties, especially in my observation when they show the replays and stuff, it's not intentional. I don't think these defenders are headhunting these guys because they know they're going to get thrown out of the game and they don't want to get thrown out of the game. Especially with the way it works is if you get thrown out in the second half of a game, you cannot play the first half of the following game. So my solution to this problem which, of course, the NCAA is never going to listen to somebody like me, but what I would do is I would make this much like uh, the flagrant fouls that you have in basketball. I would have it be a two-level penalty. If the official witnesses targeting in real time, they throw the flag as they do now, personal foul targeting on whatever number on the defense, okay, and it gets replayed reviewed. If there is clear evidence that it is intentional or malicious, if it's truly targeting, as in this defensive player intended to target the opposition and attempt to hit them in the head and hurt them, okay, keep the 15-yard penalty, throw them out of the game, maybe even throw them out for two games, especially if it's intentional. But if it's not intentional, if you cannot say that you know there was malicious intent on the hit, I think it needs to be like a level one targeting penalty, okay? And you basically get a warning. 
the 15-yard penalty stands, okay, that's fine. I won't – that's going to be too complicated and, and be too messy to try to overturn that and what, what have you. But, you know, okay, so you've, you've got a level one targeting penalty. So referee comes out from the replay. The ruling on the field stands, level one targeting, player number so-and-so. This is his first target, much like the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty they have now as well. The unsportsmanlike conduct is if you get two of them in a game, you're tossed out. Well, let's do the same thing. If you get two accidental level one targeting penalties, then you get tossed, but not on your first one. Give the kids another chance because if it was an accident or if it was a bang-bang play and the other, you know, the guy with the ball was going down and you're trying to make a tackle as well and it thinks just it's a pile of bodies. I mean, there's only so much you can do to control your own body, so... I would rather see it be a two-level penalty. You get a targeting one penalty, that's a warning. If you get a second one that's accidental, okay, well, you already got your warning, so now you're out of the game. And then have the level two, which is there was clear malicious intent. You're out of the game here and now. Maybe even up that penalty. Make it the 15-yard personal foul, tossed out of the game. You can't play the next game, the entire next game, not just the first half. You can't play. So even if it happens in the first game, or excuse me, the first half of the game that you're playing in, you're out for the whole next game too. Make make it so that these players are not afraid to play at full speed because you know they recognize that they sort of get a second chance if an accident happens, but penalize it more if they are, you know, making doing this intentionally. That, that, that's kind of the best solution I can think of for this problem. I really don't know what else you're going to do, but I, I hate the targeting penalty. I absolutely hate it. I hate seeing these kids get tossed out of the game, and when you look at the replay, it looks like it was an accident. So I'd really like to see something done about that, but you know, I don't know what the NCAA is going to do in the future. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I really, I really don't know. I don't. I don't like the targeting penalty. I wish, I wish, I just wish there was a better solution. I just wish that they had a better solution. Um, and yeah. So one other interesting thing I want to note, this doesn't have to do with targeting, but when I was looking up some information about targeting, cause I wanted to make sure I was accurate with my description and whatnot. Um, I found that, that the NCAA has this new, um, the NCAA has a rule here. Well, these are, it says these are other proposals. So I suppose that this has not, maybe was not implemented. But it says to require teams to have either jersey or pants contrast in color to the playing field. And when I read this, the first thing I thought was, I know I've seen Boise State. Sorry, Boise, I'm going to call you out. Maybe Eastern Washington does this too, because I know they have a bright red field, which looks so awesome and so ridiculous at the same time, but that's beside the point. Boise with their blue field, I have watched them play on television with blue pants and blue jerseys and blue helmets on that blue field. So that's kind of interesting. I'm wondering if this proposal never actually happened for that, but um, I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was kind of... uh, (laughs) I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Okay, so... Let's hit the beer one more time, and then we'll move on to our final topic. This is quite good. I, I really like this. So, Corey, I uh, I owe you, buddy. I know you're listening. 
I like this, man. You picked a good one. One other thing I wanted to mention before we jump into our final topic that I just remembered is uh, if you remember a few episodes back, we talked about women's college volleyball. And I said that Baylor was my uh, was my dark horse. Well, Baylor is one of two undefeated teams left in women's college volleyball. And they just knocked off Hawaii to do it. Hawaii was also undefeated. So not only is Baylor still undefeated, they've also moved into number two in the AVCA coaches poll. So just saying, I think I was on to something there when I was talking about Baylor volleyball. So if you happen to be a Baylor fan or a Baylor player listening to this, way to go. Keep up the good work. They are ahead of Nebraska, and they're only behind Stanford at this point in the rankings, and they received almost the same number of first-place votes as Stanford did, so they are barely ranked second. So go Baylor Bears. All right, so let's move on to our final topic here. I'm running a little bit long, but we had some time to make up for because uh, I haven't put out one of these out for a couple weeks. So I also wanted to talk about, and again, this podcast is not all about college football. I know we just talked about targeting, but we also talked about soccer. So don't get uh, don't get too excited here that this is going to be all about football. But <clears throat> with regards to mostly football, that's mostly where you're going to see it in the media anyway, because football is so popular for college. So what do you do if you're a fan and you are really displeased with your team's coaching staff, you're not pleased with the athletic department, you're not pleased with the performance of the team, whatever it may be. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my opinions on on what you should be doing to show your displeasure without negatively impacting the program. Because ultimately, college sports are something that are going to go on. And you don't want to negatively impact your program for the future just because you're upset now. I don't think there's anything wrong with being upset with your team. I don't think there's anything wrong with being mad that you aren't winning games. I'm a very competitive person. I hate it when my school loses. I It really ticks me off. It really bothers me, probably way more than it should. So trust me, I get it. I'm not trying to talk you out of like, oh, let's all just hold hands and, and everybody just wants to have fun. Let's not make it too competitive now. No, that's, that's trust me, that's not where I'm going. I feel the exact opposite about that. But I want you to think about something if you happen to be a college sports fan. Not showing up to games, in my opinion, is not the right way to show your university that you are upset with the direction the program is going. And I'll tell you why. When you have a program that's bringing in recruits, so let's say, for example, football and basketball, since those are kind of the two most well-known and and highest-grossing college sports in terms of the attention they get and whatnot. You're going to bring in these recruits that are possibly going to have a serious impact on your school's program whatever school you root for, over the four years that they're there, however long they're there, I know in basketball the one-and-done thing is very popular now, but anyway, when those recruits come and the stands are empty, why would they want to come and play for that university? If I was a high-level recruit and I'm going around the country to 10 different schools and I go to a school that is steeped in prestige or what, what have you, and the stands are are, you know, a quarter or a halfway filled because, you know, people are ticked off that the team is not doing well. 
why the heck am I going to want to go there and try and turn that program around? I feel like I'm going to get no support from the fan base. That's I'm not going to pick that university. So by not showing up, you are directly impacting the recruiting process in a negative way. I don't think that that is a smart decision as a fan. I don't care if your school hasn't won a game in three years. You should still be going to the games. If you want to show your displeasure for how the team is performing, make it a... I, I understand... Let me backtrack for just a second. I understand that you're trying to make a financial statement by not paying the money to go to the games as well, right? Well, the team sucks... I'm not going to buy a ticket because I know this is all about money and that's all the NCAA wants and blah, blah, blah. The school just wants to make money. I'm not going to give them my money for my ticket. Well, that's a very small part of it. So still spend the money to go to the games. Maybe don't spend as much. Don't buy those 50-yard line first row tickets. Don't buy those half-court front row tickets. Buy something up a little bit higher, a little bit more out of the way but still show up and support your team no matter if they're good or they're bad. If you want to make a financial statement, do it in other ways. If you donate to the athletic program, well, maybe you should contact the, the who's ever accepting the donations and say, look, I don't think I want to donate anymore unless this stuff turns around. I want to reduce my donation. Stop buying the team gear. Stop going to the store and buying all their licensed stuff that's on it. I mean, you're still going to impact the kids in a negative way, let's be honest, because the school is not going to get as much money if a lot of people do this. And But I think that that is a better way of subtly voicing your displeasure with your university or your alma mater or what have you than not showing up to the game. Because the recruits coming in and the current student-athletes, they don't see the dollar signs you know, floating across the accounting sheet of, oh my God, no one's buying our stuff anymore, or no one's, you know, no one's buying concessions at the game. So, uh, fine, you don't want to buy the cheap ticket, buy the buy the nosebleed cheap ticket to go to the game, and don't buy any food, don't buy any drinks, you know. But you got to be in the seat because when those recruits come and they look up in the stands, they want to see that it's full and that people are still cheering no matter what, because otherwise they're going to choose to go somewhere else. I bet you that has a significantly bigger impact than most people would like to admit that when they make a decision, part of it is that game day atmosphere. No matter if the team's winning or losing, if the game day atmosphere is still good, whatever sport it is, that's got to be an influence on people. It's, it just it has to be. No one wants to play in an empty stadium. That's, that's no fun. I wouldn't want to play in an empty stadium. So I want to play when it's loud and people are nuts and, you know, at least trying to help us win the game by whether, you know, football being loud when the team's on defense or basketball being loud when they're on defense or, or what have you. So what I'm trying to get across with this is you need to be mindful if you are displeased with your university's teams, you need to be mindful about how you're voicing that displeasure. Write them a letter. Say, look, when is the coach going to get his act together or when are we going to get a new coach because our teams are doing terrible? But you still got to show up. You still have to show up. That's your job as a fan. That's how you can positively impact your university, whether it's the recruiting process or keeping the morale up of the kids. I mean, I hate to use this example, but I'm going to. I happened to turn on the UCLA game when they were playing against San Diego State a couple weeks ago for football. 
Those stands were empty. That is one of the most empty stadiums I've ever seen for a Power 5 school ever. And it's really sad. I know UCLA is having a really tough time. They are trying really hard to turn their program around. And then they sent out that letter that basically they gave free tickets to the game against Oklahoma. Man, if you're a UCLA fan, you should feel embarrassed right now that you, not your team, that you did not show up. You need to show up for those games, no matter how bad your team is. Because how are you going to recruit if you've got high school seniors coming in there, and I know Southern California has tons of talent for high school football and tons of good recruits all up and down California, but especially in Southern California, you've got high schools down there like Modern Day that are basically the IMG of the West Coast. You know, they produce all kinds of great kids down there that can play at the D1 college level for Power 5 teams. Why do you not want to show them that you can still pack that stadium and that it's still a good game to environment? It's just, it's, it blows my mind why you would not show up, even when your team is bad. My university had an absolutely abysmal football season in 2016, and guess what? I still went to every single game. So I challenge you to do that. If you're a fan that's not happy with how your team is performing, I challenge you to stop being a Fairweather fan and still find a way to go to the games, still find a way to support the team, even if you don't want to support them financially. Okay? So that's what I had to say about that. And that pretty much wraps it up. Um, I had a couple topics tonight that I wanted to talk about that that get me a little bit riled up, but uh, I think that's good. Hopefully you can understand uh, and hear in my voice that it's it's more passion than anything else. Uh, my passion for college sports is is very high. So anyway, um, one last thing that, that I really meant to do at the beginning, and it just totally slipped my mind, so I apologize. Um, if you haven't seen it, the new logo uh, is finally here. Uh, my, my buddy Ryan did an absolutely fantastic job on it. So Ryan, I hope you're listening. Thank you very much. I think the logo looks absolutely awesome. It's it's killer. Uh, he told me he's actually wants to do a little bit more work on it to do a few different things, but, but I mean, I think it looks awesome as it is. Uh, and we'll see if he wants to tweak it further, but it looks really cool and I'm really, really happy with it. So, uh, if you haven't seen that yet, be sure you check it out. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really, really stoked about how it turned out. So Ryan, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Uh, spending your time on that. And, uh, I, I plan to use it going forward for for as long as I can. So that wraps it up for the show. We've run a little long, but like I said, I wanted to make up for some time. So I really want to thank you for tuning in and listening. I'm really sorry that it's been a couple of weeks since I was able to do one of these. I I really will try to do these a little bit more regularly. Uh, it's just I got to put my other priorities in life first sometimes because this is just a hobby for me right now. So wherever you are, I hope you have a great week. It's Monday. So going forward, I hope you guys have a great week. If your teams are playing this week, whatever's going on, if you got volleyball games at home this weekend, if you got if you got soccer games, Thursday night soccer game, whatever, if your if your football team's playing at home this weekend, make sure you get yourself out to a game. Go support your university if you're a student. Go support your university if it's your alma mater, or go support your local university just because they're local and you want to check it out. So until next time, hope you guys have a good one. And whatever team you root for, hope they win some games this week. Thank you.